As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name, in his name, to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see all of you here today. We're here to worship our God. It is such a great honor and privilege that we as individuals can come together like this with our different stories of faith and different wrestlings that we have even today and know that with our individual stories together, God is making a greater story as CCPC. And CCPC as a church is a greater story of the church in the States. And that is a greater story of church in the world. And that in itself is a greater story of, of the church as a whole from the time of Jesus until the time that Christ will come back. And as we gather together to, to realize that we are part of this great story that is unfolding before us, we can come to worship the God who has wrote this story. We have come to worship a God whose hand is intimately involved in this story. And we ourselves know as his servants, as people who have been saved from sin and death, that he will assuredly return. That all the hope that we have in our hearts for his kingdom will come to fruition. 
that all the sins that are in our hearts and our desire to live a righteous night life, but, but knowing that sin continues to reign in us, that will be no more. For we will be able to worship our God and sing praises to him fully and completely. Praise be to our God, the Lord of history, as he continues to unfold the mystery of each and every day to us. But knowing that in the end, God will save. In our story today, we see Jesus once again appearing after his death and resurrection. He appears to his disciples and he sort of just pops out of nowhere. And just like that, the people, the, the two people on the road to Emmaus, they, they, they themselves were surprised to, to see this person. And Jesus says, peace to you. And they recognize him right away and they look at him and they believe that they have seen a ghost or a spirit. But in any way, someone without a body. But Jesus was adamant. I am not a ghost. My body is not in the grave. I did not come from the afterlife to haunt you or from the afterlife to give you a message. This is me in the flesh, living body before me. Touch me. Give me a piece of fish. Watch me eat. I have resurrected from the dead, and I am here standing in your midst. And his disciples were amazed. They still could not believe what was happening, but they were joyful in seeing Jesus, their friend, their teacher. And as they come to understand their Lord and Savior, appear before him, before all of them. And Jesus proceeds to, to tell the disciples, as he told the, the two men on the road to Emmaus, that I am here because you need to understand what just happened. What just happened happen. You see, if we read the Bible, you will see that the Bible, in a lot of ways, is a testimony to revelatory events that happened in the world. You see, when an event happens that is completely ordained by God, that is out of the ordinary to show His redemptive work, afterwards, there is a word to interpret what just happened so that people, the people of God, can understand. When God himself delivered Israel out of Egypt, 
there was a word to Moses about what just happened. That God had hardened Pharaoh's heart. That God wanted glory for himself so that the people of Israel would understand that it was God and God alone who saved them. Each event in history is followed by a word from the Lord to interpret what has happened, to give us God's and the rightful interpretation of redemption and how it applies to God's people. The last great work, sorry, the penultimate great work of God was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus returns in his resurrection to give us the definitive interpretation and understanding, the only true interpretation of what had happened. As he taught the people on the road to Emmaus, he opened their minds. And all of a sudden, all of the things that Jesus taught them in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms, another way of saying the entire Old Testament, they started to understand all of the promises of Israel, all of the Old Testament was simply written so that when he came, all people would understand what it means for him to be the Messiah, what it meant for him to rise from the dead after three days in the grave, what it means for him to live today at the right hand of God. All of the Old Testament has been fulfilled. The events of the death and resurrection of Jesus is not in a vacuum. But God himself has showed us. And Jesus himself in his resurrected body is explaining to his disciples. What is the purpose of this event? This is going to be a very succinct message today. Because this passage is very succinct in the central interpretation of what it means for Jesus to rise from the dead. It is the, the central, there's only one interpretation of what it means for, um, for, for us as God's people. In verse 46, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. Everything that I'm saying right now, you are witnesses. All the events that you saw, you are witnesses. 
the central idea of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the central idea of the Old Testament, the central idea of the New Testament is that we as God's people, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, should be proclaiming a repentance and forgiveness of sins. I want you to think about that. The central task of the church is to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins. All the other things out there that the church is to do is important as well, but they are not central to proclaiming and preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins. And this is why in our worship service, every Sunday, we have a section for repentance and a section for an assurance of, of God's forgiveness for us. Without that as, as, the, as the foundation of CCPC, this church would cease to be a church. But there are several things I want to point out to you for us to understand whether or not we are doing this well or not both in our own individual lives and in the life of the church as well. First is this. We must acknowledge that we are sinners. Let me say that again. We must acknowledge that we are sinners. Now, in our world today, we are not so much focused on this. We are more for focused on, rightfully so in a sense, of works that are in keeping with repentance, as Jesus states in the Sermon on the Mount, that faith without works, as James proclaims, is dead. That to say that you believe in Jesus, but you don't have works that show forth your faith in God is, is an error, is, is an heresy itself. But this idea of faith and works, this idea of your heart being right with the Lord and that rightness with the Lord expressing itself in, in, in our good deeds, well, that goes back and forth. There are some people who are just pietists and say, it all depends on me and God. That's all that matters. Whatever happens to the world happens to the world. I need As long as God and I are right, then everything is right with the world. And that's where James and, and Jesus says no in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. On the other hand, there, there are those who, who look at works and works alone as the most important thing. Are we doing justice? Are we sincerely loving people? Are we out there making a difference and showing the Christian life? Are we practicing Christian ethics in all things? Are we keeping our hearts pure? Are we able to love people and forgive people quickly? Are we able to be generous with, with all that we have? Are we able to live an upright life before the Lord and before others? And all too often when we focus on just works, we lose the aspect of faith. We need both and. 
but one is more prior than the other. And the priority has to be upon the heart and upon our relationship with the Lord. The heart is the wellspring of life. The heart is where the fruits of our repentance comes from. And so today, we need to ask the question, when is the last time that we saw ourselves as sinners? And when is the last time do we look at the world as a whole and see that the world itself is still lost in sin? And then in so doing, we need to proclaim repentance to this world. I see a, a problem with our world today. And if you listened to my prayer during the time of our call to repentance, you would hear, you would remember that one of the things that's been lost in our world is that we have stopped gazing upon the laws of God. Let me say this again. We have stopped gazing upon the laws of God. We have stopped seeing the laws of God as a reflection of God's character. We have forgotten that our duty and our joy is to please God. That our hearts and our affections want to do whatever God wants us to do because he has saved us. He has, he has given us life. But we have forgotten to do that. His laws no longer have a place in our lives. And if his laws no longer have a place in our lives, if we look at the commandments and we do not see that we have failed those commandments, then there's no sense of guilt. There's no sense of shame. And there's no sense of wrongdoing before the Lord. And if no sense of guilt or shame or wrongdoing before the Lord, then there's no need to repent. No person repents if they don't think they did anything wrong. No one will say sorry to you if they think that they didn't do anything wrong. But what has happened in our world is that every person has become a law unto themselves. We have become the arbiters of whether or not we are right or we are wrong. And the way that we judge whether or not our actions or our responses are right and are wrong is simply how we feel. If we feel like it's a righteous thing, then it's a righteous thing. If we feel like it's an unrighteous thing, then it's an unrighteous thing. When everyone is a law unto themselves, there is then no truth or standard by which we can re rebuke one another, or by which we can help one another. And this is the world that we live in today. The world that we live in today is, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's, the world we live in today, it works something like this. Everyone is, your own, everyone is their own truth. And if there's something that's different about you, it's not because there's something wrong with you. 
It's just some, it's just that you have a different truth. If you want to 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 say that I'm a I'm I'm person, I'm in person, my, my name is so-and-so, and this is who I am, and here's my identity, and I espouse anything that I want, no one is allowed to say that that's a falsity. If someone says, listen, I am the master. I decide everything that I do. I am the only person that I'm accountable to. We cannot say, no, that's wrong. But when we allow everyone to have their own truth, when everyone becomes a law unto themselves, the end result is lawlessness for all. The end result is no one can speak into one another's life. The end result is there is a breakdown in community, a breakdown in fellowship, a breakdown in our very core identity. And this is happening in the church. We have lost our sense of our identity in Christ, that it is the laws of God that dictate who we are more than anything else. The most important thing about you is your relationship to the laws of Christ, to the laws of God. The most important thing is to understand that these laws of God are simply a, 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 a God's personality or personhood revealed to you. And so it's not simply your relationship to the laws, but it's your relationship to God himself. That's the most important thing. But we also know that the deeper and deeper that we get into being our own law, the more and more heavy and miserable we become. Because you change too much. You change and I change. We change the rules all the time. We change the rules for ourselves. We change our rules for our family members. We have different rules for different people. And sometimes it's even hard for us to track which rules we have for different people, but they know, they see. They see the inconsistencies. But we become miserable when we are a law unto ourselves. But we must, as God's people, turn to the law of God. This is who we are. And we must allow the law to daily bring us death. To bring us death. For when we understand that we were dead in our sins, then and then alone do we feel the hopelessness of our humanity. And let me tell you, it's not that all the other problems go away in your life or all the other issues in society go away in your life. They don't. 
but you start to understand. You you will you do understand what is what is priority, what is foundational, and that is my relationship with God. This is what Jesus is saying. I've come so that you may proclaim repentance, to tell people they're sinners. And to tell people they must recognize their sins. To tell people they must throw themselves at God's mercy and ask for forgiveness. Everyone. Everyone. But the resurrection of Christ gives us the good news as well, right? It's not simply repentance, but forgiveness of sins. The preciousness of God's forgiveness comes in the, in, in the fact that Jesus himself identified with you and I. The forgiveness of sins comes in, in Jesus saying to the Father, I will forsake my identity, the, 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 my identity as a son of God, for a period of time, or this is still a mystery, but I will become fully human, and everyone will look at me, and no one will know who I am. No one will understand. Only you, Father, will understand that I am the second person of the Trinity. But everyone else in this world will mistake me as just another person. They will misunderstand me. They will not know that I am God. And they will persecute me. And I will suffer and die on that cross. But you will raise me from the dead. And in so doing, we will secure salvation the forgiveness of sins for the sons and daughters of God and that's the interpretation of, of this event is that those who whose hearts are are pricked with an understanding of sin that they will be given forgiveness in Christ that God himself does not reveal your sins to you without at the same time applying the balm of Jesus' blood and forgiveness in your life. This is where we find peace. This is where we find strength. This is where we find courage in all things. This is where the church must, must stand firm. This is where the church and when I mean the church, not simply the proclamation here weekly, but each one of us as individuals, this needs to be the central message to ourselves. This needs to be the central message to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this needs to be our central message to the world. That all have fallen and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that all must come to repentance in 
Christ Jesus. Period. For there and there alone, that message is their power. For there and there alone is their peace. For the believer. Are you weary and tired? Let me say that. Are you weary and tired? Now, there are many reasons this could be. But perhaps one of them is because you have forgotten to repent and forgotten to receive God's forgiveness. Let me tell you a, a story um, just from a conversation that I, that I had with someone. We were talking basically about what's been happening in our world today in regards to race. And this person is... is is a, is, is a believer, but is wrestling a lot. And I could tell that he was getting very much exhausted by seeing the sin and seeing the devastation that was happening around him. And as I lamented with him, and as I said, yeah, I, I agree with you. You start to say, well, these are the things that we must do, X, Y, and Z. These are the things that we must do, X, Y, and Z, A, B, C, uh, in order to, to, to fight this. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said to him, don't you think we all just need to repent, all of us? Don't you think we as a church have to repent, but also to call these people to repentance and to trust in God? And his response, and I don't think I don't think this really reflects his character, just reflects sort of the angst in his heart, but his was was response was simply, what good will that do? And we just both both sat in awkward silence for a while, and he caught himself. But but what happens when you fail to apply the central message of the gospel to people? What happens when we're quick to judge and not quick to forgive? What happens when we are not quick to allow the central message of Repentance and forgiveness be offered to all, to all peoples. You get tired. You get exhausted. Because the laws you're applying to what is happening in this world, it's not the law of God anymore, per se. It's your own sense of justice and righteousness your own timing for justice and righteousness and not God's. Now, this is a bit more complicated than that. I understand that. But the centrality of all of Scripture is to bring men and women to faith. And the centrality of all of Scripture 
is to continue to press home into every believer's heart repentance and faith. So today, if you have forgotten the law of God, look, let the Spirit show you your sins. But at the same time, look at the grace of God and see the life that He has given you. And rest there, O oh, weary, weary brother and sister. And then let's go back out, proclaiming this good news to all, that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But the Savior Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead, that we may proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins to all. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy that is set before us in the Lord. We confess to you that we are weary people, all of us, Lord God. And some of this weariness is because of the circumstances in, our, in this world. But Lord, again, we have failed to view the circumstances through the lens of our, of our salvation and to interpret everything that is going on through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of your perfect interpretation of what's happening. But instead, we've done it the other way around. We are interpreting the gospel in light of our circumstances. And when we read your word, we don't sense the power of the word. So forgive us, Lord God. We confess our sins. Forgive us. For we have made other things into God's. We have failed to worship you. Forgive us, Lord. We are quick to think the worst of brothers and sisters and the worst of things in this world. Instead of loving people, loving our enemies. Forgive us, Lord God, for this leads to all of us being so tired and weary that we fail really to, to worship you. We fail truly to love people as we should. Instead, we just want to escape. We just say, God, just come. Let us just get out of here. And that's not what you called us to do. We are your witnesses here, Lord God. We are your witnesses here. You've ordained to use us, your people, so that the sons and the daughters of God, the elect, would be revealed. We are here to do that, Lord God. So give us strength and give us courage. We thank you. In the Lord's name we pray. Amen.